Well, I've got a word for, the, for us today, and we're going to go there right now. Are you guys good? We're going to have a good time right now. I've got a lot of scripture, so get out your Bibles, get out your little app, Bible apps. We're going to go after this right now. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk to you a little bit about perspective for 2019. I'm not normally one of those, you know, 2019-y kind of like, you know, sermon guys, but I just want to go after this right now. We're going to talk about your perspective as you cross over into the next season of this next year and, and the perspective that you need to and really must have. I want you to say this with me. God is with me. God is with me. God is for me, and God is with me. Okay, awesome. Come with me, please, to 1 Kings chapter 18. Okay, and we're going to read from verse 41. Now, Elijah, if you remember, he just slain all the prophets of Baal. Remember that story? He just slayed all those guys. And prior to that, three and a half years before that, He'd lifted up a prayer to heaven, and Jezebel and Ahab were in leadership of the country, and they were wicked. Okay? And he, and he agreed, but he actually prayed to God that there would be a drought. Okay? His prayers changed the weather. The weather changed the economy and people's lives. Okay? God had the attention of the entire nation, not just for a couple of months, with three and a half years, it did not rain. It didn't trickle. It didn't even spit. Okay? Now, a, uh, Elijah has just had the full-blown showdown. Fires come out of heaven. It's lit up his offering. It burned everything, even the rocks. And he killed all the, all the prophets, the false prophets of Baal. That's a good day. Okay? At the office. Verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for the sound, for there is the sound... Of the abundance of rain. He is speaking in a drought. There is no rain. But he's telling the king, who really was his enemy, there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Can I tell you that your perspective matters? What you believe matters. I didn't say what you can see, I said your perspective and what you believe. And yeah, what you believe in your heart. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, which was a mountain. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Is there any rain mentioned here? Still no rain. He has told the king, who has probably a lot of... I mean, listen, those prophets were Jezebel's priests. Elijah just killed them. Okay? Ahab is the sworn enemy of Elijah because Elijah just killed his wife's pets. And he's telling his sworn enemy to go and eat and drink because he can hear rain coming. Or he can hear rain, present tense. He said there is a sound of an abundance of rain. Okay, so he speaks that. uh, Ahab goes to go eat and drink. And where does... Elijah go. He doesn't go to revel in the victory he just had. He is now on mission and he's bowed down in prayer. He's not looking. He is bowed down face to the ground. Can you see that picture? He's bowed down face between his knees looking at the ground. You with me? Your perspective matters. 
And he said, Elijah said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and he said, there is nothing. Listen, you're going to have to become a master of, of handling the press releases of your friends saying it's not working. You're going to have to become a master of the media telling you that disaster is going to overtake you. You're going to have to become a master of dealing with your feelings and your emotions and even your family telling you they don't see what you've just declared. Hello, somebody. Am I speaking to the right group of people? Yes, I am. So he said, um, so he said that there was nothing, and then seven times he said, go again. Do you know that when God has spoken something to you, most of the time, let me take you back, don't turn there, but when you go back into the book of Genesis, at the very beginning, the Bible is very clear to instruct us that everything was dark, empty, and nothing. Do you remember that? God actually requires the opposite to be true in order for the miraculous to perform. Hello? He requires darkness in order to bring forth light. Hello? He requires nothing for there to be something. And so when God speaks to you and he shows you something and you start tapping into something, you actually have to connect with something that you cannot see. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is the cloud as small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. Perspective matters. Isn't it amazing how when God speaks, there can be a huge period of time between when he speaks and when he delivers. And in that process, people are going to come to you and say, we don't see it. We just don't see it. I don't see it. No, everything's the opposite. Everything that you're believing. No, no, that's impossible. Okay. Watch this. Then the seventh time he said, there is a cloud the size of a man's hand rising out. And then Elijah immediately says to him, so he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot to go down before the rain stops you. There was so much rain coming. Now watch this. He just saw, guys, get this, the sky is blue. It's not cloudy. There is no clouds. There's no rain. There's not even a bit of shade. Everyone is baked. Not in the California sense. In the 1000 BC sense. Okay? There, the ground is baked like a brick. Everything is baked. When it rains, after the earth has been scorched, all the water sits on top. You have flash floods now. Okay, so Elijah is now sending his servant. He's only seen the cloud the size of a guy's hand, for goodness sakes. Get that. So he's like, I'm taking that, and I'm going to use that as my stepping stone for faith. He didn't say, I see the black, long clouds coming over the horizon, and the glory of the Lord is rising on it. He comes back and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah's exactly... Now, before it's too late, go and tell Ahab to get on his chariot and ride out of town before he gets stopped by the river of torrential rain. Come on, somebody. Perspective matters. 
Some of you are going to be crossing over into, the, into 2019 and you're going to face challenges and you have to hold on to what God has told you, not what you see. Because what you see will always be the opposite of what God's going to do, but you would never be impressed if it was the other way around. Okay. Watch this, verse 45. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded his loins and ran. Dude, Elijah was really bad to the bone if you really look at him. He was, girded his loins means that they used to have robes and so you can't run in a dress very well. Not that I know, okay? Not that I know. But what they would do is they would reach down and they would pull it up and they would tie it so it looked like a pair of like MC Hammer shorts. Not pants, shorts. Okay? And so you could run. And so he ran and he ran to where Ahab went with a chariot. Okay? And he went to the entrance. But So, so we see in the story that Elijah... He is not saying, it doesn't say, and Elijah went over back into the corner and started quivering because he really hoped that his prophetic word would come to pass. And Elijah became exceedingly afraid and the angels had to come and comfort him. No, it doesn't say any of that. It just, you just see a man that is to, uh, tenaciously holding on to a conviction that God is going to pull through. Okay? We need to let this drop down into our spirit today. Okay, come with me now, please, to the second book of Kings. And we're going to go to chapter 6. It's one of my favorite passages. Second Kings, chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verse 8. Now, this is Elisha, Elijah's protege. Okay, this is a generation later. Now, the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. So he was moving out in battle array, okay? He had his army on the move, and he was coming up against Israel. My camp will be in such and such a place, and the man of God, now when it says the man of God here, it's speaking of Elisha, okay? Elisha was operating in an epic word of knowledge, okay? Uh, My camp will be in such and such a place, and the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. This is before GPS, guys. This is before satellites, Homeboy is getting called out. Everywhere he tries to get sneaky, God is just busting him open. Everywhere he thinks that his best strategy can take him, the the prophet, the man of God, is telling the king exactly what's happening. Okay. Verse 10. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him, and thus he warned him uh, that he was watchful there, not just once or twice, What that's saying, you see where it says not just once or twice at the end of verse 10? It means it happened all the time. Can you imagine the frustration with the king of Syria? Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled. Isn't it nice how some of the old English things make it sound so poetic? He wasn't greatly troubled. He was in a rage. He was storming back and forth in his tent, ticked off. He was totally confused, in a rage, upset bewildered at the fact that every time he made a move, he was being outplayed. 
And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of, which of us is for the king of Israel? What they're saying is, who's the traitor? It was so bad that it looked like someone was giving the play away every time. And one of his servants says, none of us, my Lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So now the prophet's been sold out, not sold out, but it's been given away. Now that now the king of Syria knows exactly what's happening. Now there's a man of God he's coming up against. Okay. Verse 13, so he said, go and see where he is that I might send and get him. Now, do you really believe that the king of Syria was wanting to have uh, uh, coffee and cookies with him? He wasn't. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, when the, when the wise men came by and they hung out with Herod and they had some, you know, some naan bread and, and green tea and, and, you know, wrote on some papyrus flaxes. And, you know, Herod was like, hey, when you guys come back, let me know where he is so that I may come and worship him too. It was kind of one of those moments. It's like you don't want to worship him. You want to kill him. You get what I'm saying? And he's saying, I just want to hang out with this guy. We want to have a chat. We want to figure this thing out. And they said, they told him, surely he is in a city called Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. He didn't just send a messenger to go pick up Elisha. He sent his army and besieged the city. He besieged it. Besieging is where you actually camp around a city long enough until everyone on the inside starts starving. Hello? Hello? Because it's easy to conquer a starved people. And that's why you need to read the, read the word of the Lord. That's why you need to read the scriptures. That's why you need to spend time in God's presence. Because the enemy wants to put a separation between you and the presence of God so that you'll be easy to push over. That's a side note for free. Okay. So. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master. Now, it didn't actually say, Alas, my master. He was like, Oh no, we're going to die. You've been prophesying so accurately, we're going to get rewarded with our heads coming off. And, And, you know, stupid me, I signed up to help you, Elisha. You can just hear all the fear and the doubt and the unbelief coming out of this guy. Okay? I like this story. What shall we do? What are we going to do? What's going to happen to us? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those with them. Now, you've read the rest of the story, so you know where this is going. But the servant's looking at him going, saying, I see a donkey down in the courtyard. I see that old lady sitting over on the corner, and she's doing some crochet. There's a couple of kids running there, running around playing games, but I don't know what you're talking about, Willis. I'm not sure where this is going. I'm terrified. Okay? Verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that, watch this, he may have the perspective that I have. That he may have the perspective that I have. Because Elisha could see something that his servant could not. you got to get what I'm saying here. You're going into a new season, and some of us are so busy looking at the natural circumstances that we're not seeing the spiritual perspective, and we read it wrong. Okay. Some of us will get it now. Some of us will get it when we're watching the rerun. 
Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain, of, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire full, uh, all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and he said, strike the people and I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, this is not the way nor the city, follow me. Now that's epic. Now you've got an army that's blind, and now he's playing the Pied Piper. This man is really frustrating people. But I want to really focus in on the fact that you walk into seasons, you walk into situations, you walk into moments in your life, and everything looks like it's a setup for your demise. Hello. And God, if you'll give him the chance, God has a perspective that actually will see something completely different. Okay, do we have some more time? Come with me, please, to the book of Daniel. Come on, somebody. Daniel chapter 3. I am going to read from verse 8. Therefore, at that time, that certain, sorry, therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, I don't even know what that is, to be completely honest, in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. By the way, who's the golden image? Nebuchadnezzar. Just a little bit of narcissism going on there, but that's, you know, none of my business. Um... And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Abednego. I don't really mind how you want to pronounce it. I don't know. I don't even know which one's right, but it's one of the two. Pick pick the one you want. Go for it. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or Abednego, uh, so that they brought these men before him, before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, it is, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Abednego, that you do not serve my kings or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time to hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in the symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made of you good, which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Isn't it amazing how the devil is a devil of ultimatums? He'll try and back you in a corner and say, if you don't do this, you're going to come to ruin. If this doesn't happen, that's going to be taken away from you. If you won't bow in fear, da-da-da-da-da. Hello? Who is the God that's going to save you? Starts to question the goodness of God, doesn't it? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or Abednego, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Now, right here, these guys are my heroes. These guys are no nonsense. These guys are not timid, little, weak, 
yes men. These men are bold, courageous sons of God. Because they're literally looking at a king in front of his empire that's bowing down to a huge gold image of his, of his being. And they're saying, this is not, our, this is not my problem to solve. Because I've already made my mind up. I have a perspective. I know who my God is. I know that he's able to deliver me. And even if he doesn't, we are not going to bow down to you. Come on. This is, this is something you want to model your life after. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from, being, uh, from, burning the, from the burning fiery furnace. And if he will deliver us, uh, sorry, and he will deliver us f- from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we serve the gold image which you have set up. Now, can I just say this? It's easy to look at the story because I, I was just meditating on this particular passage of Christian history. But let's just say instead of story, let's say Christian history. Is that okay to say it like that? And I was meditating on it, and I was thinking, you know, we don't really in America have golden statues, but we do have media and we have moral ideas that are being pitched at our society that look like decrees. Can I, can I speak to you a little bit today? They look like decrees, and they're trying to get you to bow down and concede with moral decay. They're trying to get you to concede with accepting certain things and even condoning certain things, but there has to be a standard that rises up on the inside of you, not knowing, oh, if my career gets destroyed or if my reputation gets destroyed, what will happen? These guys are people that we need to pay attention to in our generation because this is the kind of place, this is the kind of uh, 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 climate of society that we're heading towards as a nation. We're heading towards people that get singled out and they get picked on or they get targeted because they have certain standards that God instituted. And these guys are heroes because they said it's not our, actually our right to dispute this matter. Our mind is made up. I'm not here to make you feel better about your gold image. I'm not here to make you feel better about your cultural traditions. I'm here to honor my king. Come on, somebody. And I don't really care what the consequences look like. Can I just say we need that back in America? We need sons and daughters of God, that, and, and anywhere in the world, we need sons and daughters of God that are not going to abuse sinners, but at the same time, that are not going to agree with them. Hello. Okay. That's just a little side note for free, because I needed to throw that out there, because we need to hear that in our generation, because there's too many people that are bowing and cowardice for the principles of God. And I'm not one of them. Merry Christmas. And neither are you. In Jesus' name. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and I'm just going to say Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace was increased seven times more than what it usually was heated. Watch this. This is, this is crazy. He commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their trousers, their turbans and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because of the king's command was, was urgent, the furnace was exce- and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are taking Shadrach, Meshach, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's a tongue twister, man. You just say that enough times, and you're going to start messing up. They take them down to the furnace that has had these things called billows that blow wind into the fire that increase the temperature and the heat. And the guys that were taking them into the fire died getting them there while they walked in. Hello. 
That's going to mess you up. See, Nebuchadnezzar's already upset. He's already in a rage. Now some of the best guys from his army have just died getting the other guys to the fire. Hello. Okay. <laughs> then, ne- then Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, verse 24, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, true, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. <laughs> Come on. See, you have, to be able to, you have to have a perspective that no matter what happens to you, God is with you. You have to hold the value that God has told you that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So no matter what you walk into in life, he's with you. Whether you can see him in the moment, you have to hold on and say, God, you're with me. These, these men were literally carried in and the guys carrying them died and the king sits up and he looks and he's like, there's four dudes walking around having a conversation in the fire that killed people carrying them there. And the fourth one, he's no normal man. By the way, this is before anyone talked about Jesus. It's easy to read the Old Testament and say, oh, Jesus is the son of God. They didn't know about the son of God. He's having a word of knowledge in his backslidden paganness. That's the Son of God. Hello? See, you walking into a season with perspective that God's with you and you're not going to allow what men can do you to cause you to wa- do towards you to cause you to waver will cause the non-believer to believe. Okay, somebody. Shabba. Can you tell I'm a little fired up? <laughs> I wrote this down. We do not tend to see heaven's intent. At first, we look at face value. We look at the face value. We need instead to see God's values. Not face value, God's value. Because while you're walking into a situation that looks impossible, you're walking into God's environment to best perform a miracle, you're seeing the face value of pending danger. You're seeing the face value of a threat. You're seeing the face value of a loss. You're seeing the face value of some kind of injustice or some kind of thing that's happened towards you. You're walking into an environment that is the perfect environment for creation, breakthrough, healing, miracles. Come on, somebody. This is good. This is a good word of the Lord. I want to remind you about the story of Lazarus. Remember the story of Lazarus? Jesus is warned, by the way, Lazarus wasn't just anybody. Lazarus was a close family friend, Mary and Martha's brother, right? Word gets sent to Jesus, hey, our brother is seriously sick. He's going to die. And Jesus stops and jumps in line for a chai latte. He does not rush. He is not translated back to the house to put an urgent rush order on Lazarus's request. He takes his time. And people look at him and they say, don't you care? And on the way, another messenger comes and says, it's too late, he died. He's buried, he's, he's been dead three days. Everyone is looking at Jesus like Jesus failed them. Everyone has had their hopes dashed because they were looking at face value. But Jesus turns around and says, this has happened so that the glory of God might be revealed. What you think at face value is not actually how God values the situation. Because you've been taught to assess your situation by results. 
Hello? And your temporary discomfort is causing you to become upset with God. Okay. Shabbat. And we know the story that Jesus turned up and he called out and Lazarus came out. Now, by the way, if I can just say this, do you understand that in that time and in that culture, Lazarus was embalmed like an Egyptian mummy? Do you understand that? He was wrapped. Jesus told him to come out. So if he was wrapped, how did he come out? Think about that for a second. He didn't say, go in and get him, guys. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Hello? That was an epic miracle. I don't think they knew how to say Lazarus floated out. But anyway, that's another story. I don't want to mess with you too much. The disciples have just had an awesome sermon. Jesus has said, jump in the boat, guys. Go across the lake. I'll catch up. Now, who knows what that meant? Who knows what that meant? They just figured out that you just do what Jesus said. So they get in the boat. They start going across the lake. Everyone's, you know, tired. It's the middle of the night. The storm is ferocious. Okay? You, sometimes we tend to think of it like, has anyone grown up in the, in the Midwest, like Lake Michigan? Those, those storms can like, my wife has. But those storms can, can look like middle of the ocean's waves. Huge. They'll, they'll like sink ships. They're, they're, they're ferocious storms. And, and that lake was very much like that. And all these guys were terrified. It was the middle of the night. And here comes Jesus glowing, walking across the lake. It wasn't a moonwalker. It was a lake walker. Okay? And Jesus is walking out. Everyone starts freaking out, thinking it's a ghost. They literally think, man, we've just crossed through into the twilight zone. Some dude's walking across, and it's not an infomercial. Do you know what I mean? It was really, really weird. And then Peter is awesome. I love Peter. Everyone's like, it's like Thomas. Oh, Thomas was such a doubter. No, Thomas wanted the facts. Okay. <laughs> but Peter was like, Lord, if that's you, bring me. Tell me to come. And Jesus says, it's me, come. No one else did it, by the way. No one else jumped in on the action. No, everyone stopped and waited to see if Peter was going to get like sucked into some kind of terrible practical joke. Everyone else was watching. Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking. Now, while his perspective stayed in the eyes of Jesus, everything was fine. Are you with me? While he was walking, looking into the eyes of Jesus, his situation was fantastic. It was extraordinary. I would even go as far as saying it was supernatural. Okay? But the second, in the middle of his change or his season or that moment, he started looking at the water and the waves and the environment around him, he began to be eaten up and swallowed into it. Your perspective in a season matters. Okay. You with me? Okay. I'm, I'm getting near the end. I'm actually doing pretty good. Doing good for time, that is. Um, okay. So I have two more scriptures real quick. First John chapter 4. These are two very well-known scriptures that I'm about to quote you. First John chapter four verse four, you are uh, uh, you are God, you sorry you are of God. I'm getting all tongue twisted here. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than He that is in the world. See, this is a scripture that we need to stop being familiar with, and we need to let burn into our spirit. We need to start saying, no, no, 
No matter what shows up at my front door, no matter what phone call I get, no matter what news I get from the doctors, no matter what news I get from the boss or the marketplace or the economy or Wall Street or my bank or whatever, I am not to be afraid. I am an overcomer because greater is he that's in me than anything that can come and give me advice that I'm going to have a bad day. Hello. Come on, this is some good news. We need to get our perspective shifted. We're so busy. You know, I think one of the problems that we have, especially because we live in such a materialistic society, is that we have these things called five-year plans. Can I just say this? I have an eternal plan. I have an eternal plan. And if stuff works out on this planet, awesome. That's great. I make, you know, I make plans and strategies inside my business, and you know, we plan to go away on vacations. But my identity and the success of my life is not pinned up on how I walk on this earth. It's how I walk into heaven. Okay, And sometimes we get so caught up in the materialistic pursuits and ideals. Now, God wants us to be, be successful. I think we should. It's a great testimony. Okay, I'm not taking away. I, look, as far as I'm concerned, the sons and daughters of God should be the greatest achievers on the planet. Let that sink in. The sons and daughters of God should be the greatest achievers on the planet. But that also means you're going to get attention that causes you to have some adverse days from the other side. You get what I'm saying? But, watch this. Romans 8, verse 31. Another very, very well-known scripture. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, some of you need to get a little bit more excited. You're starting to look like you're falling asleep. Stand up for a second. Come on, seriously, stand up for a second. Say, God is with me. I can walk through life. I can walk through adversity. I can walk through the challenges. I can look at things that look impossible. And I'm going to maintain a perspective that sees that God is possible. And that everything is going to work together for my good. Because God is with me. God is with me. God was with me in 2018. And He's walking with me into 2019. There are things that are coming my way that are going to look intimidating. But I'm not going to look at those things. I'm going to look at the other things. I'm going to look at those that are more with us than with them. I'm going to look at Jesus. I'm not going to look at the waves. I'm not going to see that things haven't happened when I thought they needed to. I'm going to realize that things happen in God's perfect timing. You waking up a little bit? No, it's important. This is that's good. Let's go after it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you guys take a seat. It sounds funny, but the reason that you live in misery sometimes is because you don't live this. So it's easy to look at this and go, oh, that's really hardcore. He's being really intense. Well, you can have the other one if you want. But I'm going, I'm going after full-blown breakthrough. I'm going after when bad news comes, I'm not going to move. I'm going to hold the course, and I'm going to know that God's with me. Put me in the fire, watch me thrive. Right? Maybe someone's just going to get saved. You get what I'm saying? Someone got something today? Awesome, awesome. Well, Father, we just thank you for today. I thank you that you are a God that delivers. I thank you that God at times 
You said that it is your glory to conceal a matter, but it's our glory as kings to search it out. And I thank you, God, that at times it looks like things are upside down. It looks like famine has struck. It looks like disaster had happened. It looks like things have died. It looks like uh, all hell has decided to go to war against us. But I thank you that there is an unseen world. And I thank you, God, that as we walk into this next year, that we would be people that see into your world, that we would see the angels on standby, that we would see the breakthroughs, that we would see the treasure just up ahead. We would see the things that are just ahead of us in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus, God, that we would start to be stable where we've been unstable. We would start to actually be steadfast where we've been cowards, where we would actually just start to rely on you and trust in you, God, and that we would start to call forth the things that we know that you're going to do, even when we can't see them. Just like when we started tonight, today when we talked about Elijah, where he started saying that there was rain coming even though there was no clouds, that we would be that convinced and that determined that what you've said is exactly how it's going to happen. No matter whether it's there or not, no matter even if we look like fools, God, in Jesus' name, I thank you that this next year we're going to be conquerors and victors, that we're going to walk in breakthrough like we've never known in the name of Jesus because we're choosing to have heaven's perspective and not looking at face value in Jesus' name. Amen.